those questions that we've been looking at and we'll continue to look at are some of the questions that has come our way over our discipling uh, journey. And today we're looking at how do you facilitate a court session, a community of disciplers session. Hello and welcome again to another session in our teaching series that we've titled A Band of Disciples. And as you know, we've been playing on this metaphor of a music band, uh, you know, worship band, you know, whatever it might be, where we're trying to say that Christianity is like uh, being part of a band or leading a, a band, a group of musicians, because uh, musos don't just become that as a result of some knowledge they've gained uh, along the way or significant amount of practice in a particular instrument. They love being musicians, which makes them want to practice. And when they stuck, they figure out how to do it differently. So they are driven by a desire of the good life, they are driven by a way of becoming a certain kind of person in the world. And uh, throughout this entire series, we've been saying this is the role of a discipler, is to help people become a certain kind of person in the world, a Jesus-like human being. They emulate, they live out the life of Jesus because of the indwelling Holy Spirit in them, because they are united to Christ so they can live His life on earth. So, And that type of desire, that type of passion to be a certain type of person creates a little bit of tension in our lives when we're not really measuring up to the type of uh, ideal that we have in our hearts. Nobody has to, you know, uh, remind us of that. We feel deep on the inside of us. We want to be like Jesus. We want to love like Him. We want to have wisdom like Him. We want to care for people like Him. We want to live selflessly like Him. We want to live with integrity like Him. We, need to, we would love to influence the world like Him. And that vision of our future self because of what we have uh, by the power of the Spirit of divine nature, guess what? That's fueling all our activities. And when the discipling relationship moves from building persons to simply constructing knowledge and training people with skills, we miss the point. So please, the reason why we're focusing on this uh, musical metaphor is so that you always reminded a Christian is like a musician who wants to live in the world like Jesus, a certain type of person. Importantly to note that musicians have all types of communities like we mentioned in our uh, mini-series too. They may be part of a family. They are child to parents. They are spouse to someone. They are maybe parents to children. Maybe they have part-time work. Maybe they are studying in a particular um, institution. Maybe they have a particular set of friends uh, that, that influence the way they see their future. 
An amuser is part of uh, being a, a part of a, a band is part of the navigation of their identity or their end desired self, the future self. But with us as followers of Jesus, uh, the idea of being like Jesus encompasses everything. I want to be like Jesus as a parent. I want to be like Jesus as a friend. I want to be like Jesus as a business person. I want to act the way Jesus would have acted if he was, uh, you know, living my life in my context. You, you see how that's a unifying perception of everything that we do and influences our future. We've been talking about a three mini series. Uh, the first two we looked at the community, uh, the discipling calling. Then we looked at the discipling community, and this is our second session in the discipling competency. And as we mentioned, this whole series is strong to help you to get better at discipling others. And we looked at biblical ideas and insights. We looked at some educational um, concepts behind the, uh, the, you know, the community formation. And we, we, in this series, we want to look at some practical things. It's like a little bit of a conversation. Obviously, the scripture comes in it all the time. But it's what we do as a team, what we do, what we've been learning. It doesn't mean it's the, it's, it's the prescriptive way of doing discipling. We hope this stimulates your thinking as you ponder on how you do discipling better. And those questions that we've been looking at and will continue to look at are some of the questions that has come our way over our discipling uh, journey. And today we're looking at how do you facilitate a court session, a community of disciples session. You could call it a discipleship session, but a discipleship session that is not just about building knowledge or enhancing skills, but it's about you know, constructing and building a type of person that, that lives like Jesus in the world. We call them communities of disciples because we want people to know that they are disciples and everything they do springs from that. So uh, the first thing that we do in our sessions, and obviously we have, uh, you know, explained beforehand why we do what we do. Uh, but in this session, I just want to give you some practical uh, little insights on what we do and why we do what we do. So we've always, uh, you know, set the, the expectations out very early on in our uh, session, the very first session. We introduce one another. Um, we, we get to know a little bit about people's backgrounds or families or hobbies or something fun about them. We, we said the purpose of our journey for the following 21 or so fortnights, as well as we set some expectations uh, for one another. And we begin to learn uh, that our time together will involve three segments. Three segments. We share our soaps, or some people call it quiet time. Uh, you know, the time that you spend reading God's Word devotionally. And then we, we, we give uh, about 25 minutes for us to engage with a narrative from the Scripture, uh, a passage that is relevant to our spiritual phase. And, and finally, we look at reflection, what we call reflective practice. And I will look at each one of those and tell you what we do and why we do it. But obviously in every session before we start, we begin by explaining the purpose over and over and over again. And sometimes I feel embarrassed. 
That, you know, obviously the first three or four sessions, I'm the one that says it. Guys, ladies, gentlemen, obviously depend on the, on the group. Uh, you know, I usually work with, um, you know, males only, uh, 46 people. You know, sometimes we have couples uh, that we work with, groups of couples. Uh, we're learning as we go what works best. But we say the reason why we get together is we want to grow spiritually to be disciples of Jesus, to grow to be disciples of Jesus, and we also want to learn how to disciple others for Jesus. So we repeatedly say this purpose. And, and, and you might wonder, why do we keep saying these type of purposes? It's one liner that we keep saying over and over and over again. Why do we do that? The reason why we do it is because if we're not repeatedly on the same wavelength, we will have some discrepancies in our expectations. Some people might think our team is together because we want to have fellowship. Other people would say we're together because we want to uh, dig deep in the scripture. Other people say we're together because we're on a mission. Uh, you know, we are all, our expectations are colored by our past experiences, what observed other people do. So it's really, really important we found that we repeat with one another why we do what we do, why we hear together. What are the vision of our future together? So it's, you know, drummed in people's minds. And then after four or so um, sessions, we begin to say, hey, we don't want to be, you know, we're not examining your memory, but we just want to refresh each other's um, a memory about why we are together. What are the twofold purposes that we get together? And eventually people get it, you know, for the first three or four or five times, oh, you know, Okay, you know, we don't we don't recall. So you can cheat if you've written it somewhere. <laughs> the idea is we're not in examination. It's not a year twelve examination. Uh, this is about just reminding one another why we're together. And then once we have said the scene of the purpose, um, sometimes we also remind people of the spiritual stage that we're in. You know, we, we, you would have heard us speak uh, in the previous series about the three stages uh, of spiritual development, like a child, like a, a young person, like a parent. And we speak that the, as a child, you know, we're in the phase of building our identity, embracing the reality that we're God's loved children. He is our real and ideal father. In the second uh, stage of spiritual development, you know, we hear um, to learn how to be developed devoted disciples, devoted imitators of Christ. He's our hero. He's the one that we uh, you know, admire and imitate. And finally, in our third phase of development, we're like parents, selfless parents who are surrendered to the Holy Spirit. You know, we are both reproducing and responsible. We die to self that the life of Christ may be manifested in our mortal bodies. So often we mention uh, the stage that we're in because it gives a bit of a map, a little bit of a landscape for those people who like to have the, uh, you know, the, the overview. I recall in our last community of disciple, it happened uh, a week or so ago, 
one of the members in my group said to me, you know what, I, we were revising what we enjoyed about the last few sessions. He says, you know, one of the things I love is this spiritual landscape that speaks of the various stages. I said, I'm intrigued by that. Why do you like it? He said, I am a detailed person, but I'm also a visionary. So when I know roughly where we're heading, it's like a map that helps me to, to, to know why we're doing what we're doing, where we're going through uh, this phase. And it's helpful to, to, to enable people to master the map. So it's uh, by mastering a map, you are not basically a visitor of this location, so to speak, but you are understanding where you, how you're going to navigate your way when you are in, in these locations. In this, you, you get an understanding of the landscape so you can travel in a better way. And if you lose your way, you know how to come back. So we set the scene by explaining the purpose of our gathering. We set the scene by explaining the landscape of spiritual development. Very briefly, I mean like five minutes, obviously, after a little bit of a small um, chit-chat. And then we engage with the main three segments. The first one is SOAP, and uh, we usually give about 15 minutes for SOAP. SOAP is an acronym that stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And this whole concept is about a meditative reading of God's Word. You know, um, since the, the the whole renaissance and our positivist view of the world where everything's about information, everything is about analytical understanding of the realities of life, we have learned to look at the text for meaning. We want to master the meaning of the text. But in this meditative way, uh, different from the analytical way of trying to figure out you know, the, the meaning of the text, in this meditative way, we're asking the text to master us. We're not trying to master the text, but we're trying the text to master us as leaders. We're bringing our lives to God's Word and asking Him to transform us, not merely to give us some information. So we read uh, you know, 10 verses, uh, a paragraph, and we read it slowly over time. And then we're able to allow something to, uh, you know, to stand out for us by God's illuminating spirit. And then we figure out how we're going to apply it for our own life. This is not a doctrine that we teach others. Uh, this is simply how do we live this in obedience to the Lord who has uh, rulership, lordship over, over us. So we teach people uh, to do that early on in our um, uh, gathering together. And then every week or every session we have, fortnightly session, we ask people to share. How do we do that? We begin by saying the reason why we're sharing soap is because we want to encourage one another, share what God is sharing with us, as well as keep each other supported and accountable. Uh, accountable because we encourage one another to read the Bible regularly because that's how God speaks to us personally but also as a value added when you tell me what you've been hearing from God, I, I get more encouraged that I want to read the scripture for myself and I want to figure out what God is saying to me personally and 
um, 100% maybe something that you say connects with my spirit or someone else's spirit and it becomes a roller coaster effect. So we, we start the session by um, helping people re recall the purpose of our shop. Then we offer a model of sharing. So we share uh, in the session, maybe in the first few sessions, uh, the leaders or the co-leaders begin by modeling what it's like to share. Uh, maybe sometimes when we find someone is struggling with understanding SOAP, we could say, hey, would you mind that we would share together, uh, you know, maybe twice a week for the next few weeks uh, so that we could encourage one another? And as you share your SOAP with them through text message or over the phone or whatever it might be, guess what? They learning, being coached how to do SOAP properly. Uh, because most people can, uh, you know, we can get a little bit upset if people take time to, 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 to master the art of hearing from God. But we shouldn't be upset because every skill takes time. And this is a spiritual skill and discipline that takes time. Uh, the, the, the thing that we always uh, try to emphasize in our soap sharing, we say we go around and share. But please remember, don't tell us God is telling us as a group or God is teaching us as Christians, just make sure that you make it a personal um, sort of observation and therefore application. Say, I sense God might be saying to me, I need to be careful in this particular relationship. Um, I sense God may be warning me about this particular example. I feel God is convicting me about this particular sin that I've been ignoring. It's all about how we're responding to God's uh, voice to us. So we use first pronoun. I remember so many times early in, in uh, discipling people, whether one-on-one -on -one or in group, where I'd have to stop, and it's so embarrassing, where I have to stop the session and say, hey, I love what you're sharing with all of us, but can you repeat what you just said, but this time use your first uh, person pronoun. So say I or me uh, or my. Uh, just help us to, to, to hear it from you. In, in an ownership type of way. And, and, and usually people get a little bit of embarrassed, but it teaches us how to do it better because we're in a safe environment where we can encourage and support one another. The other emphasis that we always have in this sharing is we say to people and emphasize it when they're sharing that we focus on application. It is so easy. I noticed that so often in my ministry life that everybody's an expert on what does the text mean or what we should do as Christians. But when it comes to actually applying it, um, we, we, we like, we, we try to excuse ourselves and say, you know, we should love one another. Okay, that's great. Who is God asking you to express love to over the next few weeks? You with me? So it becomes very personal and, it, and therefore, it has tension of accountability associated with it. It's great to say God wants us to forgive one another, but whom is God asking you to forgive and not to hold grudges against? So sometimes people share with that application and say to them, oh, you know, it's fantastic observation that you've made there. Can you please help us, uh, you know, pray for you? Tell us what, do you, what are you going to do about it so we can pray for you and support you in the next couple of weeks? And people begin to 
either make something up on the spot or remember that they actually had attempted to do something with it and maybe whether they they failed or or succeeded, it doesn't really matter. It's a reminder that we are, um, you know, trying to adhere uh, like wise people hear and adhere to God's whispers in our lives. The second segment, which takes about 20 to 25 minutes, uh, is the session uh, almost like a Bible study. It's a narrative. It's a story. And a couple of observations before I tell you why, uh, you know, what we actually do. I'll tell you why we do that. Uh, most Bible studies uh, I have, uh, you know, been part of or I observed, uh, they spend the majority of their time an hour or 45 minutes focusing on the Bible study. And this word means that in the original language and this word connects with this piece of scripture somewhere else and it becomes a very intellectual endeavor. We try to make it, uh, you know, succinct time so people realize we just need to get one idea, not every idea under the sun. We allow the Holy Spirit to direct us through this narrative as to one concept that relates to our our uh, growth stage. And we want to live with that one idea rather than just have great many ideas that mean nothing because we don't apply them to our lives. So that's the reason why we do uh, a short period on uh, Bible study or a narrative. The reason why we pick often stories rather than as abstract thoughts, uh, you, you probably recall that throughout the gospel accounts, Jesus used parables and stories and, and, and used illustrations from real life examples because it's helpful to start with lived experience. A narrative or a story engages us in that narrative. We feel like we're part of it. Like when you think about the prodigal son, uh, you know, you might affiliate uh, with the father or you might affiliate with the older son or you might affiliate with the younger son or you might affiliate with the, with the group of, of people who are, you know, Jesus was talking to. Or maybe like one person once said, she affiliates with the mother who's never mentioned this in the story. <laughs> Ignored in that way. And she says that she's just, you know, she doesn't have a voice in her environment. And so on, we feel the tension of being part of the story. Also, stories help us to discover. Remember we said in our first series that Jesus used discovery methods, help people discover for themselves the truth of God. So they have a lived experience that they now can see with a biblical lens and ultimately they apply that lens to future experiences. So that's why we do this narrative. We begin by connecting the narrative to a map. We create uh, an understanding of the relevance. You know, we're going to speak about, uh, today we're going to look at humility. We're going to look at a passage uh, about humility. And the reason we're doing that, because one of the indicators of spiritual growth, this stage that we're at, is that we imitate Jesus' humility. So we're going to look at that to help us see in what way would Jesus uh, humble, how did he manifest his humility in practical ways so that we could emulate uh, his example, right? So you give a uh, an idea that creates 
relevance for our lives. Sometimes you might ask people uh, at the very start, you know, have you ever been in an environment where you experience a, a genuine expression of humility? Will somebody manifested humility? Or have you encountered a person in a Christian environment where you felt like they were so, um, you know, up the ladder, the spiritual ladder, but you couldn't help but notice some arrogance in the way they communicated? And, and how did that make you feel? Or you could, whatever it might be, but we often begin with the scripture because we have had an experience uh, beforehand where people shared their lives through the soap. Uh, so we began with, with lived experience. Here, we give them an understanding of the narrative uh, and, and how it connects with our lives in a practical way. Then we'll provide context. So we say, you know, a brief background. This is not like giving, you know, this was written such and such year, and this is the background, the political background, the social background, and this is, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, a a theological lecture, it's like just a couple of minutes helping people realize what is the context of this particular passage that we're reading. And then we give time for people after reading the piece of scripture, time to absorb the meaning, uh, the meaning of that passage. You know, I, I don't know about you, but when I hear people reading a piece of scripture or when I read a piece of scripture, I, I don't necessarily get what it means until I just have a time of silence and, 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 and try, uh, what, what is it saying? I try to summarize it in my own mind. So we try often to give, in fact, all the time, not just often, uh, give people a couple of minutes to just interact with what we just read and say, how would you summarize that in a simple language? How would you summarize that and allow people to share their summary? And, uh, you know, other people to add to it. There is no right or wrong answer. It's just about understanding the meaning. Sometimes we'll say, what stood out to you from this narrative? Okay. And then once we got the summary done, uh, we then facilitate collaborative discussions. This is one thing I have noticed uh, and research has told us that it's the reason why our Bible studies don't work because I have observed some facilitators, they're not really facilitators, but Bible study leaders who basically speak at others. They, 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 they consider themselves as experts who are, who are injecting others with knowledge or people are like empty minds that they're pouring wisdom into them. But people are not empty uh, minds. They have their own experiences and prior knowledge. It needs to connect and, and, and help them construct our, their understanding based on their prior experiences, prior um, exposure to scripture, prior exposure to other God-honoring people and their lives and they gotta make meaning as they, 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 they discuss it with others, as they interact with other people. So we use one, two or three questions maximum and we facilitate a discussion. And as a facilitator, you share just like the rest of people. And every time somebody shares, we say, thank you for sharing genuinely and sincerely. There is no right or wrong. Oh, that's, you know, uh, you got it on that. You, you hit it on the nail on the head. Well, it's no value judgment there. It's just simply grateful that people are sharing because one idea from here, one idea from there used by the Holy Spirit can really prompt people to connect things that they may not be able to tell you there and then. But it's making meaning for them in in their life. It's hitting some of their preconceived ideas and assumptions. So that's the, that's the second segment that we do. The last segment that we do, we call reflective practice. 
where we help people reflect on their experiences. We begin by sharing with people all the time again. Can you see the repetition? The threefold purposes or the threefold purpose for our reflection. We say we are going to share our life experiences from the last two weeks. And we're going to, uh, you know, um, uh, ask some questions or a few of us to help us dig a little deeper and reflect on, uh, uh, on our experiences. And the reason we do that is we're trying to derive meaning, to draw meaning out of our ordinary experiences. We also are trying to demystify the concept of Christ likeness because it's easy to say this is like Christ, but what does it mean in, in, in flesh and blood? But when you see other people, the body of Christ, Christ are living this type of lifestyle in authentic ways in their wins and their struggles, you begin to say, yes, that's more like me. That's what it's like that I'm trying to be. That's what I'm aspiring to become. And, and we, we demystify uh, this Christ likeness. And finally, we also learn the skill, the discipline of reflecting, because as we're reflecting on our experiences, we'll learn to reflect in our experiences that when we're in the midst of the, of the heat of an action or an experience, we'll learn how to reflect. Uh, then we lead some questions, you know, we share the agenda that we're going to have four questions that we're going to ask. Uh, we lead each one of those questions. And you personally, as the facilitator, you're invited to start by sharing transparently because people are going to mirror your level of transparency. If you don't share transparently, they're not going to be able to feel comfortable to trust you and trust others to share transparently. Then we ask questions to clarify our assumptions, deep assumptions on the inside. Not just to amend our actions, but to figure out what's actually driving us to do what we do. What are some of the core values and core ideas and ideals that we subconsciously using to derive our actions. And the last thing, we seek and share divine wisdom. We stop, we give two to three minutes to say, Holy Spirit, talk to us. It might be a scripture that we share with our friend that we just uh, uh, reflected on their experiences. Obviously, we can't reflect on everybody in the group. We reflect on one or two people based on time. But once we ask them some questions, we stop and pray and say, what does the Holy Spirit want to share with them? This is not about trying to fix them or rescue them. This is allowing the Holy Spirit to share something. And we'll say, you know, I'm sensing the Holy Spirit might be sharing this with you. Please examine it and see if it actually makes sense uh, to you. It's not about pushing one way or another. It's not telling them, thus there's the Lord. It's not about, I've done this in the past, you should do this. No, 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 no. You're sharing God's wisdom with the person with humility and caution. So here you have it. We have three segments for sharing uh, with people and facilitating an environment that brings the best out of disciples and disciplers. We share soaps, uh, devotional time. We share a narrative from the scripture that is aligned to our stage of development. And finally, we also reflect and bring life experiences as a tutor to help us uh, connect with God and learn what it's like to be like Jesus in practical, everyday ways. Thank you so much. We bless you. We honor you for being a genuine Jesus-like uh, discipler. And may God's Spirit lead you wherever you may be. I'm looking forward to being with you again for another session on how we practically develop our competencies as disciplers. Until then, God bless you.